Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 687, recorded today, Wednesday, the 13th of October. Hopefully, there'll be no gremlins for a 13th. I guess it's not Friday, so maybe we'll be all right. Uh, it's a music technology podcast. You can find audio versions on Spotify, on Google, on Alexa, on all the usual places where you get your audio stuff. We're also streaming this live to uh, Facebook Live and Twitch. Uh, if you want to see pre show, I was just going through a few presets and a few thoughts of the Ash and Sand Machines Hydrosynth Explorer. And uh, that was all lovely. Uh, you'll be able to see that on the on the Patreon pre-show, uh, which I will throw an ad for here. This is actually the music you're also hearing from Chris from Battery Opera Orchestra, CZ101 Extra Bonus 40 Minutes of uh, CZ101 Appreciation he posted to Patreon, which uh, you can find by going to patreon.com forward slash sonic state and uh, helping us out uh, by supporting us. You can see his thing. This is just a clip from that particular video, which I, I think... Today we're going to spend a little bit of time with the Casio CZ101. There we go. That's what's known as a tease. Uh, oh, look at that. We've had uh, a, uh, a lovely... Uh, oh, well, let's have a look. No, it hasn't worked yet. Super sticker. Nice to have a super sticker from Wagyu. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Earth, Captain Kirk. Uh, oh, yeah. Did he go to space? Has Captain Kirk actually been into space? He made it because he was 90, a 90-year-old 90 um, astronaut whose fictional life was in space actually went into space. That's a bizarre... Anyway, let's not, <laughs> let's not worry about that too much. Uh, say hello to all our friends in IRC, including Wagyu. Thank you very much. That's YouTube chat, IRC, and also Discord. Um, uh, not Discord, yeah, Discord and Twitch. There's a, a stream there. I want to say thank you very much. Also, uh, we have, uh, well, let's say hello to our guests. We haven't seen uh, Gaz for a little while. Gaz Williams there, uh, gazwilliams.com. Uh, me, I don't know. Do you update that? Is that even worth mentioning? Ah, Gaz Williams. I, that's that. Sorry, that's completely the wrong link. I should put Ga Gaz Williams uh, uh, of the Gaz Williams show on YouTube. How's that? That's better, isn't oh. it? Yeah, that's that's that, yes. Thank you. I'm very good. Thank you very much. Been like busy as busy can be. Uh, mad load of rehearsals for lots of different things. Great. Um, yeah, which is good. But I mean, had to do like a. Endless summer rehearsal and, and gig as well. That was a, that's the live show that we do. A company in the classic '60s film with the Rumbelows. Um, this the endless summer of the surf film. It's an hour and a half show. Also an hour and a half pop dungeon rehearsals. And also um, I'm going on tour. I'm going on tour Blimey. in November. Yeah, with uh, Martin Carr, him of Boo Radley's fame, uh, Wake Up Boo and and the like, supporting Charlatans on their 30th anniversary tour. So we got 19 dates across. Uh, God. 30 days, I think. So, wow. Uh, across the UK, uh, Brixton Academy, some great gigs there. So, if you're coming out to watch the Charlatans, make sure you come early to watch Martin and watch me come up with him. But that's great, though, because um, we're getting to play some of Martin's great songs he did with Boo Radley's, but some of the stuff that he did as Brave Captain and also under his own name. Great songwriter, Martin. Um, four piece band and uh, keys, guitar. Vocals. Wow, so um, busy. I mean, you're kind of like back, back with a vengeance, like a big style. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just constant. It's constant. It's like four days of rehearsals, three different acts. Uh, wow, actually five days. Five. <laughs> How days, can you remember? <laughs> I know. So uh, what? Uh, what's the, the, What's that? There's that tree, isn't there? That, that it's a gen, gen, oh, ginkgo tree. The ginkgo tree. You need one of those oh, in your garden because oh, oh. apparently the ginkgo, which is a really old uh, tree, which is supposed to aid your memory, so you probably need to eat some of those leaves. I'm not talking. Oh, right. It's supposed to be some kind. Rock fam I was thinking you meant the Rock Family Tree by Pete Frame. No, I wasn't. I was <laughs> That's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just one little thing on this stuff, though. I've got a 
I've got a pedal board, which I'm, I'm going to make a little video about my touring pedal board, I think. Uh, and uh, there's about, I don't know, nine or ten pedals on there. And I'm using them all, every one, Good. not at the same time, but in, in both the Char in the Charlotte Church Pop Dungeon and uh, and Martin's. So it's not just for show. It's They're all getting used. Um, latest addition on there is an Electroharmonics Grand Canyon delay. It's got an absolutely brilliant shimmer delay on there, which... On bass? Like, from, yeah. Okay. Why not? Quite a bit as well. Let's have <laughs> let's have an infinite freeze on bass. That's what I think. I think that's a good idea. I don't think I think there's probably not enough that in the world. Well, uh, well it, yeah. Okay. Blah, blah, lovely, blah. well, lovely to see you, Gaz. And uh, also, we have yes. Mr. Matt Hodson, Matt Hodson, who's a Hello. producer, uh, maths at maths, 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 maths uh, dot com. Uh, artist uh maker of videos all sorts of stuff how are you matt I haven't seen you for ages oh, also actually while i plug i should plug uh because both of you guys feature on the sonic 001 compilation album which you could still buy mm -hmm. down there matt's track hanker and uh, gaz's track i've got it listed here uh destination next century so yeah how are you matt are you good yeah i'm good i've been just i'm a bit like gaz i'm sort of being a musician again i've just done three live shows um, opening up for Sonic Boom and uh, Lone Lady Whoa. from Warp Records. And then I did Rival Consoles as well. That was a really big, good gig as well. So I've just been doing that. I've just been out playing live in various places, putting out music again, doing my one track a month, um, doing music videos, um, rewiring my whole studio. It's a complete mess at the minute. I'm just consolidating all of my Eurorack stuff into two, into one big monster case, which um, will debut on my YouTube channel next week as I'm going to be doing more sort of live streams. You're going large. Going, going large, yeah. I've got too many small cases and things dotted around all over the place, and it's just getting a bit annoying. So I'm just going to put it all in one. And I've actually um, got this huge case I've had built for me, and it's going to be fixed to the wall, basically. So I'm getting rid of my desk. I'm going to be stood up all the time. Euro rack, wall of Euro rack, basically, um, and some foot pedals and things like that. So, uh, yeah, also been busy with uh, BIM, my students, new students yeah, have just arrived. Of course, great hanging wow, out with them as well. So, so um, much, so much. Suddenly, it's like yeah. all massive. Wow, that sounds yeah, yeah. that sounds pretty full on. Uh, I just want to say it thanks is. to uh, Ben Breslin uh, for Superbooth Twenty Two beer tokens, which is actually coming up mm. much quicker than we than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in May. I mean, uh, assuming everybody's ready for that. Um, well, lovely to have you both. Uh, we've got uh, actually a few topics uh, to go for. Uh, just while I've still got you, um, coming up on Sonic, uh, we did a great, I've just done a great piece, just finished editing that with uh, Yoad Nevo on, you know, he's had his Atmos system installed and we basically said, so what's Atmos all about? So it's kind of part of our How It Works series mm. on Atmos with Yoad Nevo, which is really good. I've also got another, in an interview with Kebu, who is uh, Finland's synth whiz. Uh, I'm just uh, putting that to bed, so that'll be coming up quite soon, so stay tuned for all of that, um, obviously. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, I guess we could do some uh, some topics, right? Because there are some. I know there are because I, I I remember <laughs> writing some. Let's see what's the first. Oh yeah, this is. I think this is actually pretty cool. I, I, I fast forwarded this. This is called Burner Three. It's a sort of 1950s electronic music studio, which is using kind of. Uh, uh, 
oscillators and uh, filters and you know kind of old school style uh, just using those components with a very comprehensive patch bay this is the third version i think they started it back in 2006 maybe so about the same time as sonic talk started <laughs> so it's been going that long mm -hmm. uh, certainly a long time i might have got that date wrong but um this is it's a series of plugins that allows you to kind of emulate the vibe of a 1950s synth studio or electronic music studio which mm. i think you know when we talk about limitations it's actually kind of a cool idea so uh this th i'll just throw the page up here so this is uh, this is by a chap called now i'm gonna i'm not gonna be able to pronounce his name right giorgio san cristoforo oh actually that was quite easy um uh, it's a standalone early electronic music studio simulation has equipment inspired by those used in milan's rai studio which is one of the early uh, i suppose uh, RAI Studio de Fenoglia. I'm God. I'm I'm really suffering with the pronunciations and Cologne's WDR, which uh, are, are quite quite classic ones. Yeah. I'll come to you first, actually, uh, Matt, because I know you probably teach some some elements of this in your electronic because it start all started it with this stuff. I mean, this is a great idea, oh, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a great idea to give this kind of. Um basically any any sort of electronic music that we teach we always try and contextualize it about where it's come from what we know about it and how we've got to where we are today um it's all really important because where we are today is going to be talked about in the future and helps contextualize where we're going and that kind of thing so this is really great and i must admit i think this is something that we might even look at trying to get installed on our computers at bim because it'd be great to have students playing around with this kind of stuff. You know, imagine trying to get the hardware of this and yeah, impossible. all that down, let alone carry it about. And 25, 25 quid, I think this is. Yeah, 25 euros. It's, it's really a, euros. a bargain. It's nothing. 25 you know what? euros. I, when I first looked at this, for some reason, I thought this was some kind of collaboration with Heinbach. I mean, you look at his videos, he's always playing around with these. Um, Making music with test equipment. Well, actually, funny you should say yeah. that. I've got a little treat of that. Uh, that's another oh, okay. part of this topic coming up. But yeah, I mean, that's mm. probably not a bad idea. It'd be a great challenge for your students, wouldn't it? To sort of go, well, look, guys, you know, this yeah. is what you would have had then. So use this plugin, you know, see what you could do. Interesting. Yeah, you know, this sort of less is more and working with software and or software emulations of hardware that you would never get to play around with. Um yeah, it's inspiring. It can be fun. I think there's tape looping stuff in there as well as yep. the kind of test oscillator equipment. And, um, you know, I'm also one who's been fortunate enough to work with the original Radiophonic Workshop. I was with them in Peter Gable's studio and um, to see some of the, the classic equipment that they've used. And actually, they, they took a few things on tour with them. Um, but, you know, to, when I was spending time with them, it's just inspiring still to, to hear how they're talking about their approach to music and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I like the look of this. Really nice UE as well. The user interface looks really nice. I'm not sure quite how it all patches together, though. Well, that's the, I think that's... Yeah, there is like a, a matrix, which I don't actually have the screen grab right. for, but there is like a big matrix, which isn't quite so beautiful, but uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, I, I, as you were saying, Matt, um, it gets, you know, Heimbach has, you know, has a, has a penchant for using test equipment to make music, oh, as we does. know. Uh, I remember, yeah. though, Nick, we did actually cover Burner 2 on Sonic did Talk some, num, some years back. And actually, I'm glad you sent me this because I remember I bought it straight away and then 
promptly forgot all about it. So I've just been, <laughs> I've just been scouring my scouring my email now, trying to find a kind of code for it. Um, but yeah, we were we were we were equally enthused about uh, Burner Two. Just um, just be aware, everybody. Though it isn't a suite of plugins, it is a standalone. It isn't a VST. It, it is a standalone piece of software. Ah, so okay. You'd have to use Soundflower or some other kind of means to patch across if you wanted to sort of right. plumb it into your system. <clears throat> um, but yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, when was it? I think by 2011. I think it was a long time ago. So you are, oh, you, really? are allowed to, okay. you are allowed yeah. to forget these things. I, yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm heading towards my forgetting years, uh, more forgetful years, <laughs> shall we say? Uh, but what, it was interesting what you mentioned because uh, I don't know if it's there. It looks like those are there, which are the uh, B and K uh, 21. Now, what are they called? Uh, the uh, 20, the Bu and K 2107 bandpass filter, which uh, I will just give a plug oh, for Heinbach because he did. In my recent video on how to make music with test equipment, I mentioned that brilliant care units are pretty hard to come by now because they're known to be good and that they will music. But I man Right, I, I, I encourage you to watch that, actually. That's a, a really, uh, let me see if I've got, yeah, I'll, I'll post that in the show notes right now. Those there things are massive though, aren't they? They, they are. are uh, the, I used one. I've used one. I remember... Um, Will, uh, I was when I was working with Goldfrap, they had to do a remix, and it was called the We Are Glitter Mix, which I can play a little bit of before it, it. It probably won't. I can't remember how it was used. I remember we were working on the program, and Will had this thing, and he was just turning the dial, and it was this incredibly tight cue, and it was just going. And I think if I play a little bit of it, it might come out. I can't. I'll probably get busted for this. So I better talk over it, even though I played on it. I think some of this went through the B and K twenty one oh seven. And that's my uh, Lieutenant Pigeon drums that I put in there as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely massive. It's one of those really beautiful things. I, I don't Have you ever been in the presence of that sort of test equipment, guys? They're, they're kind of the, the sort of things people collect them and you just see them and you just go, I, I want it just as a thing, right? Yeah, I, um, no, not directly, but I mean, some friends have got bits and bobs. Um, uh, Frank Norton, especially, is a collector of the weird and wonderful. He's my bandmate in Rocket Goldstar uh, in Cardiff. Um <clears throat> He's got a huge all band radio. So it's sort of, it hasn't, it doesn't, you, you get to hear everything. <laughs> so as you, um, you can just like. What, all at the same time? The frequencies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of a very weird thing. Um, but uh, no, I haven't, but I'd love to. Uh, so I'm, I mean, where is the best place? Where is the best place, like, like museum or where you can get hands-on access to this kind of well, stuff? Well, there's that place in Utrecht, isn't there? The uh, And I'm trying to remember what it's called. There's one in Holland, and I've forgotten the name of the chap because he's just built this. It's like in a community studio, and I think it's Utrecht, and it's just full of this kind of stuff. The whole thing is built on test equipment. I know there's a local guy, Charlie Jones, who's a bass player of some note, mm. and he's he collects this kind of stuff, you know, like test equipment and... You know, those big Wimbledon sort of uh, audio mixers with the, the things that have got knobs that are this big, which I just think are <laughs> great things to have, right? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of um, speaking of sp speaking <laughs> of radios, have you seen have you seen that plugin that's just called Radio, and it's it's just a VST that brings in radio stations straight into your DAW, which you can then obviously run through like glitches or effects i think plugin boutique sells it sell it um it's it's only like eight pound 
and uh, I think it's just you can just tune through different radio stations and it's and you see the waveform coming into your DAW and um, I was playing around with this and I was sending it into um, I've got the Nebulae by um, Qubit which is a granular processor stereo granular processor and um, I was just chucking radio station into it and uh, it's coming up some pretty cool stuff um, didn't know just if anyone try- used that. Maybe I haven't. No, I'm just trying room. to find because I, I bought this amazing. Yeah. I, I bought this amazing um, big chunk of Bakelite, which was like an air purifier. <laughs> and it I was, saw it. It was. It's just a really beautiful thing, and the Bakelite is like this thick on it, and it's got one of those sort of very positive. Ch- I'm not going to plug it in because it probably take the ha- house electrics down. I was just trying to find a picture of it, but I can't. So. Actually, <laughs> that's <laughs> why you're doing that, Nick. Actually, that reminds me. Everybody in the chat room who's watching right now, it was Nick's birthday yesterday? Uh, Monday. 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 (laughs) Thank you. So everyone in the chat room wants some big capital related happy birthday (laughs) to Nick. Oh, you're Uh, too kind. I was trying to forget. I hope you had a great one. (laughs) Uh, It was. I went to see the Bond movie. Uh, at one of those Tivoli cinemas where you, uh, it's like a kind of cinema where you can get food and drink bought to you while you're watching the films. Really good, actually. I enjoyed, wow. I enjoyed the experience. Uh, Bond, mil- Bond movie was very Bondy. Um, not, not as good as uh, Casino Royale, but still a pretty good effort, um, I would say. So I'm not. I'm yeah, I nearly went to see it last night. I was worth, worth a view. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth yeah. seeing. It's one of the better ones. It's not as good cool. as the first one, though. Um, but yeah. Um, okay, I should probably, um, it's probably about time that I should just have a little word from our friends over at Modo. Their Cobalt 8, as we know, is still, uh, still there. It's an 8-voice virtual analog synth with innovative oscillator and 34, actually, I keep saying this, I must find out how many, 40 algorithms at least, I think. Morphable 4-pole ladder filter, 29 less encoders for real-time control, internal sequencer and arpeggiator, MPE support for expression, modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android and VST3AU. Want to find out more? Head over to bit.ly slash underscore bit.ly slash get underscore modal. I still get that wrong after all this time. But anyway, thank them very much for their uh, continued support of the show. And uh, they're one of the manufacturers still managing to get their stuff out there. So obviously they looked ahead. Um, okay, what was the next topic? I must go back to my uh, my screen. So there we go, that one. Oh, yeah, this is... Quite, now, I don't, I'm probably going to get busted for this, but <coughs> what the hell? Let's try it. So I'm going to pl- I'll press that now, and then I'll press this. This is Michael Jackson's Thriller. You I don't know where they got this. You start to freeze. And then all together. Oh, no, it's not all together yet. There's loads of them. You start to freeze. And when you and hear now, the top now, one. Now together. You start to freeze. Okay, we better stop that because we'll get busted. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a, just um, this is again one of Midiera uh, Chris Chris's great posts on Sonic. You found this, and it's just a really interesting piece of. Um occasionally these multi-tracks sort of end up out there and i don't know where they got this one but obviously thriller uh, produced by quincy jones but there's the whole sort of bits of it and they're broke down and it's it's really interesting that it sound when they're put together it sounds like there's more than was recorded is that something i don't i don't record harmonies i have no idea how it works it, it's often the way though isn't it when you kind of put voices together they become something other than just the way that they are together right yeah i mean the each part here is at least double tracked, I think, though as well. So yeah, they're all th- they're all double tracked. Yeah, yeah. We just get played um, one of each. 
Yeah, but it is interesting, isn't it? Because I, I do loads and loads of harmony recordings, either of my voice or of certain other singers or lots of different people. And therein is something quite interesting is that when you sing on your own voice, it's almost like a, your voice has its own sort of thumbprint in a way. So when you sing another harmony onto it, it kind of melds into it in a way that's very different from somebody else's voice singing a harmony part. Um, meaning almost that when you build up something out of your own voice, you get something that's kind of very full and solid and dense and quite different. When you record different people, their voices are very kind of separate and the harmonies kind of are more layered on top of each other as opposed to your own voice kind of creating this solid mass of voices i mean obviously uh the master jeff lynn of elo was great you know he, he and a, a big part of that elo sound is his voice um, right the way that he does you know, it tracked up yeah yeah but that thing particularly about the, your kind of vocal cords having a certain sound i guess yeah as uh, peter pepper put, put, I, I won't say it. peter pepper put peter pepper put something in the youtube <laughs> chat god that sounds like i'm a tongue twister he said it's because they all share they share <laughs> the same for, the- they share the same formants which is actually probably right. a very very uh, key point actually very important yeah point. that is the key point exactly yeah yeah good so i mean so i think it's just quite interesting with these michael jackson ones for instance obviously it all be in his voice you get that kind of that soul that solid thing going on there um but yeah i mean i love it i absolutely love doing harmony so this is really inspiring actually and just to hear how he does it um some of those examples later on in in that little video uh where there's the very key harmonies it's the highest top lines that are the one that kind of give it the really distinct and, and um, he goes effect. really really high i mean really, really you're kind of like oh my goodness that's yeah. that's high <laughs> yeah yeah so i was curious i one thing i didn't know or i still don't know really is how much kind of quincy would have been involved quincy jones would have been involved in those harmony choices and layering process or mm. whether that was something that that was much more kind of uh, brought from michael um I think on uh, some of the, off the uh, extended versions of Off the Wall or uh, Thriller, I remember hearing sort of uh, demos um, where he was beatboxing all of the drums as well in these kind of demos. Um, wow, I guess what from a joy. Well, I mean, Quincy beatbox. Jones was very famously, you know, I mean, he started out as big band, didn't he? Work with, was it Count Basie he worked with? And he was studied under Pierre Boulez. You know, I mean, he's really musically, he's got the chops, so he should know, I suppose. And and mm. that would make sense. So maybe it's just, you know, he just sort of maybe enhanced it a bit. And I'm, I know Michael Jackson's obviously very... Um, uh, one thing that I thought was yeah. great is it's so nice to have a story with which is just about the guy's talent because it's all, it all got obscured with all the other crap, didn't it? Which was so it's yeah, nice just to kind of listen you know, to it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but just on the idea of harmony, though, you know, the the way that you space the harmonies and the way that you uh, layer them is, uh, or, you know, the actual voicings themselves, whether you do um, kind of more kind of jazz voices, uh, jazz voicing with kind of more extended harmonies leading the yeah. you know leading the harmony there's a it's a real skill it's a it's an amazing amazing thing um but it says uh, someone said in the chat room you know that uh hakon said um 
groups of singing brothers and sisters often sound great because of yeah. the kind of similarities in their voices which yeah that's another or people point. who've known each other for a really really long time because there was a documentary <laughs> about simon and garfunkel um who were totally right. totally influenced by the everly brothers that's what that was their sound but because they they'd known each other since they were 11 13. so they've been playing 11, right wow yeah. yeah so they've been playing music together mm. for all that time so you get the same you know intuition and stuff i guess Bon um, bonus points nick what were they called before what? Simon and Garfunkel, as as uh, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, what was their I, original I, act? I, I don't know. I didn't see the whole thing. What was it? Tom and, Tom and Jerry. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's good though, this isn't it, Matt? I mean, you know, whatever whatever yeah. your thoughts about the, all the rubbish surrounding MJ. Nice to hear a bit yeah. of uh, talent and raw talent going on there on such a classic well, track. Let's let's also not forget that Rod Temperton was also partly responsible for this. He actually wrote, co-wrote the song. And yes. Rod, Rod was actually from my neck of the woods. In fact, he lived in um, the very town that I frequented a lot as a kid in northeast Lincolnshire. Uh, in fact, there's a few few social clubs you can go in up there and there's a plaque on the wall with his name on it. Um, so he would have had a bit to do with this. Um, yeah, oh, that's I am true. Not, like, like Gaz says, I'm always interested to know, you know, how much was this of Michael and how much of it is it um co-writing with other people and um i mean this was 1980 i think this is around 1982 81 82 uh, probably oh, i don't know actually and that's good, good how question. many vocal tracks we got there we've got two four six eight ten there's 11 tracks there already so this would have been you know this would have been on a big Slave. ssl console with yeah. 24 tracks i imagine you know, how many vocal tracks do you think there are and i'd be really interested to know you know it, if um you know how many well the comp the, the comp is at the top but we don't know and we don't know the provenance where they came from i mean i would guess around then i mean it sounded analog because of the crosstalk and the wobbly stuff mm. um, i would guess they probably would have slaved a couple of uh, um whatever studers or ataris together for yeah. 48 i would imagine uh, but yeah that's i a mean guess. have you seen would the multi-track there? for um bohemian rhapsody no either of you it no. is it yeah, is got bonkers it. Have you got it, Gaz? Because um, yeah. some of the tracks, you've got a bit of vocal and then it stops and then it goes to guitar and then it'll be blank <laughs> for a bit and then and then some more vocal appear and then it'll be like a hi-hat. And it's just, <laughs> you can just imagine wow. them when they were mixing it down. They would have all been hands on the desk saying, like, that one down, that one up. No, bring this out. You know, it's just, oh, crazy it probably, stuff. Probably would have been pre-automation as well, as uh, uh, yeah. I would guess, a, a real hands-on affair. Yeah, really nice, though. I, I just thought it was a great thing. Uh, also, um, in the same article, there was another video, which was uh, a after last uh, the, the last time uh, we talked about Chiptunes, which is a good link. So this is Cytone. This is his Chiptunes version of Thriller. Very well-known um, Japanese Chiptunes producer, <laughs> Genius. I mean, he's using he's using oscillating tones to create the chords. Uh, just brilliant piece of work. But uh, I, th there seems to be an impression that none of us like chip tunes, and it's not that's not true at all. It just doesn't move me in the same way that other stuff does. But anyway, I'm, I played some for goodness' sake. So I don't know, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 I know Super Mario theme tune comes on, and suddenly I'm taken right back there. That that moves me. But I know what you mean. I, it's there's that nostalgic link to people well, who experience growing up with computer games. The, the, this is the thing. This is the, this actually links to my next topic, which is uh, quite uh, little quite, segue. Quite, I've got a little segue. Well, not a segue, more of a uh, electric scooter. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so this is uh, so this is there's a chip tune documentary. 
which was out in 2006, but it's quite an interesting, it's just, you know, a, an interesting piece. This again was found by uh, Midi Era. Uh, by, uh, it's called 8 Bit. We are probably the first generation of people to have grown up where video games played an important the role. Film by, uh, or just Martin, a film by Martin. So it was sort of the. Um, we have been almost a peripheral influence where we may not have even realized. I, I, I'm into video games because I like video games and I play video games all the time and I grew up... So, this is just the trailer. Actually, I didn't realise this, but uh, over on... Um, let me see if I can find it. Over on um, uh, Vimeo, you can do On Demand and you can rent it for 220 I didn't know they did rentals, but it looks kind yeah. of like fun. So if you're into chips... But really, I mean, I, I put this in there because I was just really interested, and you basically said this uh, because you were a gamer. The the This whole genre was uh, was uh, the soundtrack to many of you know hours that were spent in, in your youth but i know you guys were a gamer as well i wasn't really a gamer so that's probably why it doesn't kind of resonate so much with me the only gaming i really did was a bit of nintendo um whatever that you know the little one game boy remember. game boy and that was just while i was sitting in airports and stuff so gaz i know because you're a you're a big you know you you game uh, and presumably did you game at the time when chip tunes were the soundtracks to those games as well or was you get oh, 100 yeah yeah and i mean you know i had a spectrum and a bbc micro so um the spectrum famously just had a, a single voice sound chip and the skills that composers were exhibiting of being able to kind of create all these weird little interrupts within a single voice to make it sound in fact like polyphonic music there's some incredible techniques and skills that went on in that and it made for unique music and but i think back then we didn't necessarily have the culture where we could kind of recognize those people as as genuine innovative composers it did seem a little bit uh, it's, it's, you know, kind of lowbrow, well, well, you know, to the wider world. But um, they, were, they were key, key composers kind of working in that field. Um, sometimes it would, they would, it would be the, the person who's writing the, the game itself, or they would sometimes be, uh, you know, people brought in to do the music. More often than not, um, it would be the person who was doing the game because um, not only would it have to be the I'd music, understand the technology. Be, well, it would be the sound effects as well. Like any gun, yeah. any like, you know, jumping noises, shooting noises, explosions and stuff would still all have to be going on at the same time as the music. Um, I think with the BBC micro, did it, I think it was a four channel sound. I think it might have had. Well, the so Commodore was, chip, the Commodore chip got, uh, I, I think it went four and 16 ultimately, didn't it? But I, 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 right. I, I don't know enough about it. So so you know i i think what's kind of interesting is is for these you know is for this era and for people to be you know to be kind of recognized for their amazing work that they did given their ridiculous kind of limitations um but of course i think it really you know you wouldn't have apex twin or square pusher or people like that really who if this whole kind of music hadn't have happened mm. um i'm fairly sure you know they're they're both of the same sort of age as me you know from the same kind of home computer game era um i know i know chank's uh, massively into uh chank from the uh, former electron he's really into that mr. and data he's uh, and mr dataline yeah he's uh he uh he's actually released some sample packs from the commodore chip mm. i believe is for octatrack and uh uh, Digitat, well, of course, if you were checking the first you. ever Electron product was a the SID station. Yeah, yeah, it, that's true. The Commodore sixty four sound chip. Um, 
Now, I thought you hated it, though, Nick. I thought you... <laughs> uh, no, it's not that I hate it. just doesn't... It doesn't do enough for me. It's kind of... Right. I mean, because this is, this is the thing that I find interesting, because it was done through necessity. And as you said, you know, a lot of the people that were doing it were kind of programmers, so they weren't necessarily motivated by making great music. They were just motivated for making some music that would go along with the game. And I wonder mm. whether or not... You know, that's almost like a... So then it, the, the perceived art comes for afterwards, because it wasn't made necessarily... And I am generalising. I mean, I realise that that there, some people were, but I suggest I suggest that some, at least some of these games, the music was made through necessity. In the same way that John Carpenter did some of the things for his film, because he just thought, I don't want to have to deal with a composer and I know a bit about it. Probably he's less so because he was musically motivated as well and musically creative, whereas mm. some of this other stuff was sort of pretty plinky-plonky and the musical but- wasn't great. It was just what what it was. I used to go to this computer club for a total nerdy thing to do when I was a teenager, and they used to share um, uh, tunes. Like I remember getting Ghostbusters uh, done on the BBC, uh, done really, really well. You know, um, I wonder if that's on YouTube. Oh, of course, uh, it is. All, all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, I think there's an e- economy at work here. I know um, I get that limitation. Yeah. The limitation is there. It's just I, I just wonder whether the initial spark was not was through just sort of oh that'll do. You know, it's like I've got to I've got to decorate the flat. I'm renting out really cheap. I'm going to paint all the walls magnolia. That's fine. The equivalent of that, you know. So uh, uh, Matt, I, sorry, well, I, I mean to. I I know you feel the same way because it, you obviously grew up with this stuff and it's formative. I mean, I, I wonder whether or yeah. not we'll have the same fond memories of the current generation of games, which are sort of massively orchestral and more bombastic as technology has allowed us to do that i don't know i mean this this has that sound this really encapsulates a particular sound whereas you know gta 5 well actually most of its radio stations have have well-known pop songs and things like that which shows you exactly where we've come on to but um this this was a sound of its time and it was a necessity but necessity can form art as well and you know we talk about burner earlier and that was like early forms of electronic music there using out of necessity what equipment they had there so it's kind of like looking like that have you seen a piece of software called little sound dj um, which is basically a tracker you can install um on a rom on a and, and play it in the nintendo game boy so you basically got i think four channels four bit you got kick, snare, drums, that kind of thing. That's it. And um, yeah, you can do kind of speech synthesis, basic stuff, and that kind of thing. Um, and that that's that's kind of fun if anyone wants to get into that and then just send the audio out and you can play a gig doing that. I've seen those sort of things. You play around with the waveforms and that kind of thing. So it, it is really interesting. But I also wonder at the time because obviously they only had so much space on that cartridge. And what still typically happens today, it's like they spend all the budget on the visuals and then <laughs> it's like what's left over for the sound. So can you imagine for the sound, they would like, well, let's give them eight bits. Is that enough? Four, maybe, you know. Um, I oh, can just God, yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the same because, I, I mean, I did sound and music for CD-ROMs back in the day, you know, and we had 8-bit 22K to play with, mono. Oh, that That's crikey. all we had. Um and you know, which was still a whole lot better than than chips, because obviously I could make the whole music out of out of multi. You know, I mean, I could make a, a full mix and have all of that stuff, and then just bounce it down. And you know, but it, that's what it ended up as. So yeah, there was a lot of process. I mean, that's no no longer an issue. I mean, 
on a personal note, I'd I'd like messing around with bit crushes and stuff and aliasing in the computer and that kind of thing. Um, down sampling things to get a different, you know, tech kick drums through an old Akai S950. What what's that? That's probably twelve bit or something. Eight, not eight bit. Twelve. 12 bit. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I love doing that kind of thing. But just listen to pure chip tune songs. On a personal note, yeah, I, I, I won't really go to a gig. I mean, all you've got to do is walk around Brighton Pier and most the of the arcades is, is like eight bits sort of screaming at you. And they've got big, some of those have got really big speakers in as well, haven't they? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, all trying to grab your attention and coin sounds going off left, right and centre. You've only got to walk around that five minutes and you just come out and you're exhausted. So, um, yeah. Interesting. It's everyone, I guess it's fairly... Get it. It's fairly timberly challenged, isn't it? And there's, 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 this ties in a little bit, guys, actually, because I mean, uh, the SP404 Mark II came out uh, today, yes. I think it was announced, which is, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a kind of portable sampler. But what was really interesting about that is you'd see that in lots of fairgrounds because people would use it to play, hold tight, let's go, uh, scream uh, if you want right. to go faster, all of the, and all of the kind yeah. of samples that would play back during the fairground rise. And you, that, that was, I mean, as well as it was huge for hip-hop, guys as well and gals well one of the longest running pieces of music technology possibly ever in roland's catalog uh i mean it had a it had a a, a reskinning in the kind of ira era ira era yeah good, i like that it, uh, it uh uh it as a as a product of 404 uh, yeah it went through another change i think it became uh, um, did it go from some other the the, the original storage cards that they were using to sd cards i think at some point uh, but by and yeah. large the thing had remained unchanged until well today now with the launch of the of the mark ii more more or less you know the same thing and what's interesting about this mark ii is that they've tried to kind of keep so many things of the original um in 2005 tech. that's amazing. 2005 wow that's long isn't it for a music yeah. tech product yeah especially from a company like uh roland you know um one thing is missing though for 404 fans no built-in microphone <laughs> so yeah so yeah that, and th- and this uh, wasn't actually a topic but i just thought it tied hmm. in nicely with the the arcade uh, it's a, thing. yeah it's actually very cool um just one thing on computer games before we go uh, i move that topic i just wanted to just give a little shout out to the game lemnis gate it's a new game but it's a new i've never played anything like it it's a time loop and you take it in turns almost like a like a turn-based thing but you play your go in real time sorry that's just for the gamers out there ah, who've not okay. tried it lemnis gate i think it's Maybe okay. the most interesting one I've tried in years. But there we go. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I just because uh, the thing I spend so much time on computers figuring out how to do things on them. I, that's my gaming thing, you know, because I, I program. Yeah. So I suppose that's where I get, I, and I would probably spend an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out how to, you know, get a Raspberry Pi to upload a video to YouTube, for instance. You know, whereas somebody else might do, you know, uh, in one go uh, a full uh, um, action game. So I suppose that's that's where I go anyway. Okay, um, right. So what's next? I think we've got, um, uh, what's that? Uh, number six. Is that the right one? You should make a record. Totally. They were gaming too. Nice, short and sweet. No messing about. I quite like that. These are the new Universal Audio Bolt uh, USB um, 
C uh, interfaces that are very pretty, uh, quite utilitarian looking. It got a sort of slight 80s um, slash 90s laboratory style, but they've got... Uh, uh, there's two models that have just got uh, a sort of vintage warming circuit in them and then three models which go up to four ins and four outs which have also got uh, 1176 style compressor. Obviously these, you know, they make these things so they've modelled their own, or not modelled because these are not DSP, they've modelled the circuitry into a more compact sort of surface mount, I guess, you know, affordable way to get the sound. And if anyone could do it, they can. It's just a really interesting idea. And I wondered what everybody thought about these. Um, I'll come to you first, Matt, because uh, USB audio interfaces are hard to get excited about, but, you know, sometimes one can. I don't know, because you, what do you use? You use the Behringer, don't you? Do you use the Behringer X32 as your interface? For or me, have- yeah. I've got the Behringer X32 rack just sat down there out the way just because I need loads of analog inputs and it was kind of cheap and you've got mix built in and DSP and that kind of thing. At BIM, we've got a lot of the Focusrite 2i2s pretty much everywhere just because they're simple, but we might have to look at updating those as we go to uh, USB-C eventually. Um, But these, obviously, these guys, some of them, they come with that 76 compressor, built into that i guess that's on the input so you can track with it i think so yeah i think that's what it is right and you've got that kind of tube preamp thing going on i love the uh design of these as well i'm i'm liking this kind of shift to kind of uh a sort of more robust old school approach with the i don't know just the vibe on it it's less um it's less sci-fi night, is it? It actually looks like it's more come out of a uh, 1950s control room or something, you know? Yeah, they start um, the uh, they start with a one and they go to two and then uh, you get a two input, two output, and then you get the 76 ones, which have the sort of desktop vibe. I've just realised rather embarrassingly that I didn't play the, uh, the uh, a message from our friends over at uh, um, Isotope. So before I come to you, Gaz, do you mind if I just pop that in there? I feel a little bit ashamed. Sure, that I, yeah. I, I've, do it, do it. I've, I've done my duties. Isotope Producers Club is a -a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And we also, uh, if you head over to isotope.com forward slash sonic talk, you get a special landing page where I believe there's a deal on, uh, actually interesting, Music Production Suite Pro, you get all the pro versions, which actually, they're the really expensive ones. So you get all the metering, all the kind of really fancy stuff. So do check that out. Uh, and we thank them very much for their support. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, Gas, uh, sorry, have you, had you finished, Matt? I did cut you off. I did. I, I um, just the last thing to just mention with these, what I really love is that they're just, obviously with them being USB-C, they become iPad interfaces. And yes, they are class compliant. They will work directly. 
yeah which is brilliant you know he's i think he's kind of taken the industry a, a little bit longer than i thought to really make this just so much everywhere you know remember when i first got my ipad way back when and it was just so hard to interface anything with it. Yeah. And now, well, it has been. For, it was for about five years, to be fair, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I just kind of feel like we've been a bit slow to get to this point now, where it's just plug and play with your iPad. Great. Now you've got a um, universal audio preamps and straight yeah. on as the front end. I yeah. mean, that that's an amazing thing, right? I think we shouldn't forget that because you know the iPads and all that, the powerhouse in those, yeah, well, they, no, they're, they're getting they're better and better, aren't they? Isn't it? So yeah, guys. That, I- Gaz, I, I know you had. Did you have um, some UA mic preamps? The six, whatever they were. That did. Do I remember you I had, had one or two? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you had like I had. Well, I had the, the desktop system. The, the DCS sadly, sadly died, um, but uh, and they couldn't get it fixed. Um, but uh, but that was yeah. That was a bit of a collaboration with uh, you. F- oh, what were they called? I can't remember. Um, anyway, um, this is quite interesting. It, well, one thing that I think certainly is a, a talking point, though, is how we've seen the the more kind of luxury brands, shall we say, like SSL now, Universal Audio, um, making well, 120 bucks kind of audio interfaces. Yeah, they um, start about there, don't they? They start at uh, yeah. £120 and go up to 320 for the Fault 476. For the, right. Um, Arturia have just... Uh, made uh, yeah the mini fuse an, an entry the, into yeah. this into this same kind of market area you know it's you know it, as I mentioned SSL um, some eyebrows are raised with that so it's clear that uh, that this area this mar- this market this segment is a very very hotly contested one so it, it it's kind of imperative for companies to have like a, a you know a special USP so Universal Audio having their own legacy to be able to sort of dip into. You know, yeah. with the um, well, they've got is it the six ten? Yeah, world world class. They've got world class, uh, you know, analog engineers as well as DSP engineers. So they, they, why wouldn't right? They? Yeah, um, quite like the wood end cheeks as well. Yeah, I, 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 I assume they would, they, they've all they've they've all got MIDI in and out on them, which is actually yeah. pretty cool. All of them, yeah, which I think all is a them, nice plus. The little one, yeah. yeah. Um, but it really is this thing when you look at it's such a crowded market so it's it's yeah. kind of crucial i mean one thing that always bugs me though is just like single inputs you know well that starts a single single input that's why i know i know i know but you know just to have like one mic preamp but then have another line input it just seems just that bit too stingy i think one input is always going to be a a, a limitation it's probably Um, price it's probably price point to be honest i mean because it's going to just great they can then they can start them much you know more affordable i I have an interesting i mean i wonder whether all these companies are doing it and universal audio are doing it as well because as uh, these computers become more and more powerful, kind of onboard yeah. DSP is less and less of an issue because we can get sub, you know, particularly with the new M1s chips and, yeah. and you know, it moves up stuff with Intel as well. Whether now mm. it's like, that's not such a big deal. I mean, it now comes to be a point as to whether some of these companies who've licensed their unique hardware <clears throat> to people like Universal Audio and other companies as well, are just going, well, that contract point is up we're going to open it up to everybody soon. So, you know, they're looking at, at ways to actually just leverage hardware and utilise that that right. way. Well, I mean, for years and years, and I mean, this is, I mean, I could get in trouble saying this, but for years and years and years, Universal Audio have been sort of like 
doing a bit of a sly thing, really, by selling uh, their uh, UAD platform with woefully rubbish DSP power, really, compared to what your computers could do natively. They were really, really, really not very powerful at all. Uh, so they were really having to make their, you know, they want that. They want people buying their plugins that are locked into their DSP platform. Yeah, I suppose, I don't the, know. How, I mean, in their, in their defense, rubbish. in their defense, rubbish. I don't know how much more, uh, how much better, you know, because the thing about having more DSP or DSP dedicated to your thing is you can be, you don't have to optimize as much. You can make it really kind of special and work at higher sample rates. So it may be that it's, they're not yeah. any, they're not any less powerful. They're just using more of it to make it better. That's also a possibility. Yeah. But I mean, people kind of fell for something just thinking, oh no, but it's kind of vintage DSP, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a thing. All right. Okay. Without being too, so here's one for everybody. What is it that makes the perfect USB audio interface? What are you looking for? You know, what would you, what do you want from, because I mean, for me, I'll start because for me, there's two sorts. There's the one you can just go, I need a DSP interface, plug in. I need a little one, one like this, actually. I can plug in, it'll give me MIDI, it'll give me audio, give me a headphone out and I can just do whatever. Then I've got the other one, which is something like the Behringer XR18, which is a full mixing desk kind of dsp platform alongside it which gives me much more f capability so th those are the two things but so i'm not sure what i need at a minimum um what 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 do you think what do you use well i've used i use quite a few um different <laughs> ones but my my favorite one which i don't have that i would have that i would say is almost the perfect interface is the uh babyface pro fs from rme I think is just in terms of the feature set and the, sound is the operation well. of it. And it's just absolutely amazing. And crucially, I think it's that ADAT expansion thing. So you've got a, a small a small audio interface, but that you could add those additional inputs as and when you need it, or you know, to be able to have maybe a rack of preamps um, that you can then connect up. Uh, that 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 would be a minimum for me, really. I think is something that has that. There's a great one from Audient, the ID4 Plus or something. I'm not sure if that's or ID14. I think maybe it's called. Which again, nice little desktop unit with uh, some really useful hardware controls mm. on there and that ADAP expansion as well. Um, mm, it's interesting, but I mean, certainly stereo line inputs. I think. Any of these single inputs, I think, is just a real shame. So I think, uh, you know, if it's, I don't know how much, what's the difference in, the, in with these universal, universal audio ones between the one and the two sort of input? I mean, uh, uh, I think it's about if it's four, like, 40 quid, 30, 40 quid, yeah. I think. So, you know, so I think for, I think just don't, don't buy a single input or interface because you will want to expand that at some point. Um, but otherwise, crucially, here we go. Um, no, here we go. Uh, oh no, hold on. I beg your pardon. Volt one, 120 is the one input one, and 165 yeah. is the two input one. So, you, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, yeah. I take your point. Mm. But I mean, for something as important as your audio interface, you know, essentially, this that centerpiece of your studio, you know, don't skimp on that, on that side of things. Get, get at least two inputs. Um, but I like uh, some features that I like. I um, well, that uh, that audience has it. Um, some Steinberg ones have done it as well, where you've got a control that can be whatever the mouse is, whatever the mouse is hovering above. It's essentially it's like a uh, a mouse wheel 
control, but just ah, so a, it becomes a an audience. Yeah, so the yeah. audience. Uh, I'm just wondering what's it called. Audience, audience four plus. Is that what it is? Yeah, maybe. Or there are fourteen. I think it was the one. That's oh, fourteen. Is yeah. that the one? Let me but just I mean, have a look. But it's got. Um, that's got like uh, some. You know that that just makes use of the hardware interface really because yeah uh, that's not that's 179 that's that's not bad is it yeah that's no, it's pretty good, good. and USB C not not yeah. universal audio audio make good you know pretty decent um, uh, mic inputs I mean the thing is it's hard to get mm. class A inputs mm. into something that I'd imagine with USB C because you can turn you can you can pull more power over USB C port that means that you're much more able to put in you know better quality higher voltage uh pull uh for the um for the mic amps so that would for make the, it better yeah. yeah so maybe that's the answer all right matt mm. what about you i mean you went for the x32 i mean it makes total yeah. sense because it just does everything all at once and i i I, yeah. I, I did i recently did this um dream studio thing and i and, and they said what audio interface do you want and i said i'll have an x32 and they went mm. yeah and it comes with one as standard so they had to give me it and it was a bit of a bending of the rules but uh but it is, yeah i mean it's something I think, like that I think- I think they're they're great for me. Um, I'm just tracking audio, so um, you just load up your preset inputs going in. It sounds clean, and some people may argue that because it's Behringer or whatever. Um, but I, I actually have no problems with the the sound of it, and it sits out of the way. Um, I don't have a mixing desk, so I do all of the mixing when I'm making music in the module. I'm, I'm mixing as I'm as I'm producing. You do that so, in the box? Uh, I, I, no, in in the modular. So I'll, oh. I've got multiple mixers, and then I, that what I do is I use um, splitter cables to split the signal from different points in the signal chain. So I might take it after a filter or just after a VCA on a particular sound, and I'll take that as input one, and I might take kick drum as input two. So I do multi-track everything, but more often than not, everything that I've released this year has just been stereo mix as I've produced and recorded it and no mixing afterwards just a little bit of limiting and some light eqing to master it up and then it goes out and that's all i use the other thing though that i do get excited about if i was to go the other way i really love the the mixing desk consoles that are just usb something like the tascam model 24 which is 24 channels usb um because i love i do love having faders i must admit and i like to use my guitar pedals on auxiliary sends particularly things like the strymon el capistan for delays yeah that bad boy that looks now, pretty good the only reason i didn't get that is because it is a pre-fader sends and you can't change that so for huh. me it wouldn't make sense you've got a mix up on that board you want to print your mix you want to all your individual channels at all your different volume levels and you want to print that it doesn't it takes it pre-fader um it's i think it takes it just after the mic input so um so basically you can choose you can choose on the x32 where you want it you can choose on the x32 whereas with the tascam one you would have to essentially remix your whole session once you Uh record it into daw which don't make any sense to me. Why isn't there a little switch that says just goes post fader? I would be all over something like that. I I love, I, I do like that. I used to have the Tascam DM24 back in the day, which was Firewire, 24 channels in and out, effects on board, TC effects. And I loved that. I just thought it was really good. Uh, but the screens kept breaking on it and the, um, the trim pots on the mic inputs were a bit 
a bit iffy. Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? So they're the two routes I'd go. I'd either, like the XR, loads of analog inputs. Um, oh, there is another one, and I've been trying to find this. My mate had it. He doesn't have it anymore, and it's it's a rack mount, and um, it's an audio interface, but you can just record straight to an SD card, multi-track, and you literally just turn it on. There's a big button on the front. You press Is it Allen and Heath? might be an Allen and it Heath. It might be the Allen and Heath, yes. Um and it will record, I think it's 18 or 24 tracks straight to the USB. You don't even have to turn on a computer. And I love that because sometimes I don't want to have to turn on a computer just to multi-track what I'm mm. doing in Eurorack. One of the reasons I'm using Eurorack is because I don't want to look at the computer sometimes. So yeah. I love I love that. Is it one of those? It might be. Mm, it don't might know. be I, I'm just looking. It might be a Tascam <clears throat> one. Uh, anyone That's in the cute. chat room? QU, because there's uh, QU, I think, was maybe uh, – no, I've already done the QU. What was it? Uh, I wish I could remember what it was. SQ? No, that looks further up the food chain than that. So I know that, uh, uh, for instance, uh, Charles uh, Chicky Reeves uses one of the Allen Heaps. I forget which one it is, and he just says it's br- – the design is – certainly for live mixing is amazing because mm. all the stuff happens on stage – so if your oh, okay. mixer out front goes down, it's really just a control surface. All the DSP is on stage. So you could just have someone with a laptop and the software can carry on running the show if your front of house thing goes down. It's really interesting. sort of. But anyway, that's beside the point. I, I just always an interesting mm. idea to think, what do we want from one? Because, you know, everybody goes, oh, they're so boring. And it's like, well, okay, what would it need? I mean, I guess MIDI IO is useful. Uh, all that I, kind of, and well, I, notice, I notice one thing that these universal audios ones don't have sadly uh for small boxes is that just really simple mix knob that is between oh, don't mix direct kind of thing. And direct um there is i don't well maybe there is a direct button on there i'm not sure if you can use it as a sort of but it as a blend but it's just so it's so simple isn't it when you just literally more of me more of the backing and it's just a, it is down to that being able to yeah that that's exact, helpful with a single knob um especially for people who are beginners or new to recording. Um, yeah. So I think that would, uh, that would be an essential thing. Um, okay. All right. Well, I didn't want to dwell too much on it, but yeah, I think it's an interesting exercise, isn't it? You know, kind of, okay. So what, what is it? Yeah. Do you, um, there is some, there was another topic, but I think we're probably going to run out of time. So I was going to get onto the picks, which, uh, as we know, it's a sort of periodic, we ask our users to, uh, our, our guests to come up with a sort of pick for the week. And we'll start with Gaz's because Gaz was, uh, if I could find the right thing, uh, it's, uh, there we go. This is the, uh, if I press the button here, this is the Knobtron, Knob caps, which is an interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, if uh, while you tell me about it, I'm going to try and find the um, find the page because I did have a page. Okay, well, it's uh, another invention from Geert Bevan, um, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with, um, and they just you just press them over con- over control knobs like this is a, a Korg SQ1 and. Uh, and they're oh, they're UV, UV reactive as well. Yeah, reactive. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, and you can get them. Yeah, there's a big range now that you can get them for. Um, that's I think neat. that's all listed on on the website. Um, but yeah, so it look good for on stage for live as well. Yeah, quite handy. That. Yeah. 
Yeah. Assuming you've got some UV light. Oh, look, there yeah. we go. A Volca. There's a Volca one. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can get them for all the different Volcas. Very and, photogenic, you know, you, aren't they? Yeah. You, yeah, they're very photogenic. And you just simply just press them over the knobs. There's no uh, no tools or anything needed. Uh, they look like kind of, of elastic off. bands. Are they like uh, kind of uh, scrunchies <laughs> for knobs? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They're, they're solid plastic. Oh, know, are I they? Think... They don't stretch. They're, okay. I was just no, no, be... no. And and they're designed as such that they don't clash, they don't knock into each other when they pass by, you know. So they're they're um, but quite useful on something like this because it's difficult to sort of see where uh, where the knobs are positioned, really. Uh, but with the with the pointers, um, you know. Uh, yeah, so it's cute. It's cute. It's a nice little idea, and. Um, I think definitely good for people who are visually impaired as well. I think. Yeah, that's um, a really cool, actually. Nice one. Yeah. Nice, yeah. fine, guys. I, I that's that that's a a very handy one, and they're not. I don't know how expensive they are. Actually, I should probably. Oh, they're they're well, they're they're very affordable. We're yeah. very affordable. Yeah. Nice. What are they like? I'm not sure. Ten dollars or something. They. Yeah, I, I've lost the page. I've got so many windows open, I can't see it anymore. And uh, Matt, like you you also were saying that uh, yours was Sugarbytes Nest. So if I just uh, yeah, let me see. I am looking for this. Yeah, check Should I press this out. Then... So don't know if people in the chat room have come across this. This is essentially a modular sequencer. It's software, presumably. Yes, it's sort of yeah. It's so it's a bit mis- not a modular so- synthesizer. It's a modular sequencer. So it allows you to get to all that interesting stuff you were doing modular, which, to my mind, is really what modular is about. It's, it's the sequencing aspects. It's not just the sound. So it allows you to do all of the kind of uh, interesting stuff with clock divisions, um, and you can basically get eight channels that you can send to your VSTs or it's got onboard sounds in there, drum machines and, and that kind of thing. And it's just a really interesting um, approach to sequencing. I just really like it. I'm just, for anyone who's sick of o- opening up their DAW and typing in the MIDI notes and starting with a blank canvas, this is a really, really interesting concept and can be quite inspiring, get you work thinking in different ways about um, about composition basically and it's it's 99 bucks it's not particularly you know it's not the cheapest of things i'm just trying to see what formats does it work in it's uh, uh but it comes what? with um its own synthesizers ah, drum machines, okay right as well so, as the actual kind of um concept and sequencer itself and you can have multiple instances of, of, of it running and um i'm gonna i think i'll probably i've it takes a while to get your head around if you don't know how to do this, I must admit. So there's a learning curve with it. But I'm going to do some videos on this, actually, using using Nest, because um, there's not many out there except for what they've done. So uh, stay tuned to the channel, and I'll, uh, right. I'll do some videos at some point. Excellent. Good choice. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, I've got, uh, let's see if I can find mine now, uh, this one, which is, uh, I don't think I've got, uh, if I press that and then I press that, uh, this is uh, what am I looking for? Uh, gosh, I've lost it now. Uh, um, uh, oh, decent sampler. Now, this actually, I, I'm going to give uh, uh, Luke Pop the uh, props for this one because he released some video, uh, some some sample packs for his uh, on his Patreon, and this is an uh, basically a, 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 
a VST sampler that you can make your own presets. You can skin it as well, so you can put your own graphics in. And it's really, it's just a text file. I mean, you do need to, you know, so you can make all your samples. If you've got a decent text editor, you can just make these things, compile it, and it works on Mac, Windows, and iOS as well, I believe. And it's free. So if you wanted to distribute some sounds or, you know, and make a certain thing that, that you like the way it looks, this is a really cool method. So decentsamples.com is the place to check that. It's just a really, I will probably do some stuff with it. I've emailed the guy and asked if it's okay. And I, I should ask Loop Pop if he minds as well, because he kind of discovered it and it was using it first. But it uh, seems like a really good way to move samples around and just sort of, so if you want to go, here's a load of kicks from whatever synth I've been reviewing or whatever, here's a sample pack and you can just load it. It just works on zipped as well. So it's really easy to load presets and all that stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. I've, uh, I've just found the um, the audio interface I was talking about. It's the Allen and Heath um, ICE sixteen. I, I put a link to it in a, in a chat, but it's a one U sixteen channel audio interface, and uh, uh, you can record straight to to the USB stick right on the front. There's a little record button and play button, and that. So uh, that's what Heath. I was looking for. Allen uh, Heath ICE sixteen. Okay, let's have a look. I'll see if I can bring that up. Ah, okay. Uh, I see 16. Link, yeah, that's the jobby. Uh, oh, so it's kind of like the, um, what's that The company, that, the Black Box? Um, mm, um, I've forgotten who made those, but they, they were, they, it's a very similar sort of idea. Yeah. And they yeah, use those so sort of thing in installations. In fact, his was his was put one of the one they got put in Disneyland. So they were playing it's a it's a small world going round and round forever on his products, which I'm not sure is a great legacy to have. And but but you know someone's got to do it. It's a tough job, right? That looks interesting. What do they cost? Yeah, I mean, don't need to turn on your computer. It's standalone without a computer. You've got your little metering on the front, so you know if you're clipping or not, or if you're getting decent signal in. You hit record. You've got 16 channels of multi-track, and then you chuck it in your DAW when you when you want to mix it or whatever. Oh, it's old. It's got Firewire ports on it. That's why. Yeah, I don't know. It might be discontinued. discontinued. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah. This is... That this is how I like to use my uh, blue box, which is just over my shoulder, just oh, uh, yeah. right. Um, and that's kind of cool because that acts as my kind of, um, it's where all the modular ends up into the blue box. And then um, that lets you kind of record either you can record, you can, you can just arm the master track and make a mix down, or you can arm each individual track. And um, Yeah, the only thing about it is you can't, because I did the same, the only thing I don't like is I want to be able to record those effects separately and everything dry, and I couldn't. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's not possible yeah. to do that, which was a shame. Well, I chatted with Aaron at ten, from 1010 at um, Superbooth, because, uh, of course, uh, the Black Box uh, version 2, I think, has just dropped, I think, maybe yesterday. Yeah, I think uh, on the 10th. Which if, if, what a fantastic thing the black box is. It's an amazing little sampler unit there. And I think with this version two, that just really does take it to the to the next level. Uh, so I was curious to see what was, uh, you know, I, I asked him, you know, what the future for the blue box is. And there's uh, there's definitely interesting stuff coming for that. So Nick, I, if I think make a request there to record the, to record those, um, the, the audio, uh, the, the effect as separate tracks is that what you're thinking yeah use, i i, um, I, th I think yeah. i mean I, I did try i think that's been mentioned for a while i've been watching the forums when i reviewed it a while back uh, i did so uh yeah oh thanks mm. Di stanton for uh, uh um 
Oh, you on tonight? Uh, Di Stanton's paid a fiver to find out whether you've got a show tonight, Gaz. So, oh. have you? <laughs> oh. uh, sadly not, I'm afraid, oh. because I know, I just feel bad now. Um, I, because I've had a couple of shows, I sort of, I took my show off air for a bit to have a break. Well, you're busy, haven't you? You've got a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. Crikey. Uh, but tonight I've been invited by Fontaine's DC, which are amazing band from dublin uh, who are playing in bristol tonight too so i'm on i'm on the guest list for the show tonight and oh, i couldn't nice. resist it so uh, i'm sorry everybody i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the show um yeah well i have got some i've got some cool guests lined up for future shows and i've got some really nice ideas i feel a bit recharged and i'm i'm raring to get back at it though so please uh don't lose the faith i will be back and i'm gonna try and be back semi-regular i'm also hoping to do a little bit of uh live vlogging from the tour when i'm out on the tour as well because i think that might be quite interesting yeah i saw the uh, one when you were out sailing while while the poor bloke did all the man work lugging the boat <laughs> around you were going guess where i am and he was like i dunked you for it <laughs> well i mean i've got the um the iphone uh 13 pro now and it's yeah. got that fantastic cinematic um mode it looked for great making videos on the fly so my thought my plan was oh when uh, when my friend andy fung asked me if, if we wanted to if we wanted to go out sailing i was like yeah yeah i'll i'll go and i'll film it and we'll you know you dropped I'll, it I'll, did you I'll, drop I'll, it over the side oh but i mean I, the seven I, the so the seven in between uh you know the bristol channel really is uh you know when i first started filming we were just in the bay and it was quite gentle but as soon as you get out into the it's a tough it's into the it's the largest it's the one of the largest tidal ranges in the world that river not many people know that and and i tell you what i just just hold it on to the phone i I, I needed two hands to cling on (laughs) for dear life you know so you couldn't help that either <laughs> no, I was. I was doing on the tiller. I was. I was operating the tiller, so I was. Um, I'm only you know, pulling. And that was a. And that was a. That was a battle as well, you know. And God, the sea takes no prisoners, does it? You know. No, you've um, really got to watch out. Oh, well, no, I'm glad to hear you've got it, um, Matt. You must have stuff coming up. I know you. You did your released release or released re- yes. release released which was a great yeah, my last video release was called release yeah. um so that's just gone live now i'm just working on this month's track um i'm don't think i'm going to do any more live shows for the remainder of the year i'm just going to do more just focus on studio rewire get get my new modular up and and get back in doing some more live streaming like you know gaz is going to as well i'm just uh finding a little bit more space to do that and i've got a few things interesting things i want to go over and do so it's just it's just a lot of making music and i'm really enjoying it this year has been so good mm. having doing one track a month and putting it out and that discipline and i i recommend it to anyone just setting yourself i wish i had, I wish I had the time really, yeah but it, you kind of have to make the time you know sometimes i've been sat there two days before the end of the month and i'm just like i haven't done anything and you just it gets you into that zone and you just don't want to let yourself down um, all the people that's sort of following you on Bandcamp and YouTube and, and what have you. So you you kind of add that pressure to yourself. And when you get it out into the world, it, it feels good. So I, th- I really recommend it if anyone needs a way of finishing tracks, just setting that deadline for yourself. It's interesting. Well, I, I tell you, because uh, I've ju- just posted, I thought I'd post on Facebook to kind of all those people that wonder what I do on a Wednesday afternoon. And I thought, oh, I wonder how long that's... June 2006 
was the first uh, Sonic Talk podcast. So that's a really, yeah. really long time. So that's the only thing about <laughs> when you when you commit to something like that, it, you can find that it stays with you for a really long time, and you just can't shake it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well done, well yeah. done. You see, well I've thanks to having... you all and everybody. You know, it's not just me, but uh, yeah. I've had a something quite interesting that I've been doing recently um, is sort of doing some modular jamming um, with somebody else. Um, and I hadn't done that since I've since I started my modular journey. I'd, I've been doing it kind of on my own. And as soon as you connect it to somebody else, it's it's a really fascinating process. Uh, we were listening back to the initial jams we were doing, and, and we were both realizing that we were both doing too much. You know, you've got such a range of you know you've got such a range of frequencies that you can nab. Yeah that as soon as you're working with someone else trying to find uh trying to find a space we weren't doing like some he wasn't doing beats and i was doing you know we were both doing kind of melodic parts or you know textural parts and just trying to find ways to uh to interact with each other and um and the more we the more we've been doing it um the kind of the better we're getting at it by being more and more kind of minimal in the approach Sparser, yeah um, i know I, I totally agree. that's why i love that's why i love duophonic synthesizers because you've just got to make those two notes count you know they've got to they've mm. got to say something yeah yeah but it's the thing for me though that it's done is it's made me think about the kind of modules that i'd want to either put into a rack for doing this or ones that i that i need to to get um just because I think with my little journey into modular, it, uh, I didn't really know why I was doing it. Really, I was just doing it because <laughs> I felt like I had to. Um, but now I'm starting to find that the the area that I want to really explore more with that is is melody and to do you know and to be like the kind of like the lead guitarist in a modular kind of way you know ah. doing top lines and melodies that that's what I'm being. Really I could you know what you need is that Waldorf keyboard thing with a you know, like wear it like a guitar. So your modular, it becomes a keytar. How about that? That would be pretty awesome. What, a modular keytar? <laughs> <laughs> and instead of tassels, you could just have really long patch cases. That's heavy, though. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Has anyone, have you ever seen anyone do that with a modular? Yeah, uh, modular was it, um, Henry, Actually, was it the, <laughs> oops, beg your pardon, wrong button. That, and again, <laughs> way, the, the Henry Winter, is it the, the, the Henry, the Henry Winter, the, what's the, the initial? No, Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter. Didn't he have a, like, a modular yeah. style, uh, key Well, it was a controller. Was it more of a just a controller? Was it, it was a controller for, was it a, a 2600? Maybe. Or like I can't remember, yeah. but he was using, no, but I'm talking about actually sort of wearing a rack. <laughs> I sort of. <laughs> <laughs> patching, patching, doing like a what whittly we solo, do, just super fast patching. What we, what we could maybe do, Gaz, is we could have a modular synth each on our chests, facing yeah. each other, and we could be like patching <laughs> from one to another and playing with each other's sort of chest modular. It could be, it could, yeah, so you, you could, uh, like the MTV modular death match, but not obviously yeah. with no death, just patch match, modular patch yeah, match. Yeah, Hold on, I'm going to write that down. That could be a title, possibly. Modular Patch Match. <laughs> Might Ooh, be a bit long. Yeah. Modular Patch Match, right. Modular, I'll just write that down. Well, yeah, I've seen someone who's done that kind of thing, and they and they got the derp for... Um, have you? I don't know if you've seen the derp for um, stick you can get gas. Yeah. 
which is really cool, and you can run that through a quantizer. Oh, like oh no, but you would end up looking like David Vorhouse with that thing that just looked like a massive <laughs> dildo, which is really oh, inappropriate. That guy. <laughs> Don't you remember? There's that. There's that shot. It's, it's like I can't remember. Yeah. It's one of it's one of the early Tomorrow's World presenters who was a lady, and she yeah. she was obviously quite a nap. You know, he's obviously got some kind of animal magnetism because she was fawning, and he was standing there with his just this <laughs> check out my. Yeah, it was a bit like he, he ooh, definitely didn't like that. Didn't like that much. Yeah, it was a little bit. I don't think you get away with that these days. No, <laughs> not way. not standing in a room a with a film crew. I mean, maybe on stage you could probably pull it off, but yeah, you have to be careful. Oh, do you want uh, to pull it off on stage? No, let's not go there. <laughs> Uh, anyway thank you everybody it really enjoyed and for those of you who perhaps haven't checked it out I thoroughly encourage you I know it does mean uh, a, a picture of it, but the last couple of Friday, uh, five minutes with was the Roland SH1 uh, which was Chris from uh, Battery Operated Orchestra and he's also done one with the CZ01 and we said oh is there any chance you could give us some extra stuff for Patreon and he's given us <laughs> two 40 minute pieces which are sort of a love uh, a, a love letter to those so you've got there's on, that's wow. this month on patreon we've got 80 minutes of extra bonus video as well as all the other stuff we post so if that doesn't convince you i don't know what does I, i'm anyway i just thought i'd do one last plug um folks it's been such fun as ever lovely to be have you back and see you all again in person it's been well not in person but you know what i mean you haven't been on for ages is what i was trying to say so thank you very much uh that would have been well that was nice it was one. sonic sonic talk episode uh 687 that's it thank you very much for watching see you next time take care bye-bye now <laughs>